Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning. You're with the Double L team, Lyle and... Master Liam, how are you Lyle this I morning? I am, let me think, am I fantastic, am I amazing or am I incredible? I'm going to go with incredible this morning. That is incredible to hear. Yes. I tried mixing it up a little bit this morning and uh, you know, I, I like it. I don't know if I'll stick with it. I might try and mix it up every morning, but uh, yeah, this morning... Mix it up every morning would be quite the challenge. It will be, coming up with a brand new thing every day. I do, I don't, with the, we, um, we've moved to online checking in for for when we come to work, so instead of filling out a a piece of paper, we go online and fill it out online, and every time I fill that piece of paper, that document out, it's different every time. Yes, Liam likes very to always exciting. get super creative what, with uh, how he fills out the document. But it's anyway, very exciting. What I you... am incredible this morning, and I am thankful for bonfires. Bonfires, yes. And are you talking about the uh, the American style bonfire or the Australian bonfire? The bonfire that is actually just a, a couple of sticks in a in a tin can, or a bonfire that is is a, a year's worth of of dead trees piled onto each other. Um, I don't know. The only American bonfires I've been to were just like a year's worth of dead trees. Really? Whenever I I, I watch all these these movies and they talk about bonfires and then ah, they say yes, and then yes, they yes, um, yes, yes. But there's a difference between watching movies and living in the country. There isn't. I lived there for three years. So. There is indeed. Yeah, we always had bonfires, just like you know the typical Australian bonfire. But uh, yeah, I'm talking about the Australian bonfire. I've got one brewing at the moment, and uh, probably going to let it go next. Saturday night, have a few friends appropriately socially distanced, all that kind of stuff, but... Keep the phone nearby just in case. Going to be amazing. Well, I'm thankful for the poor man's car wash. Rain. I've um, noticed that my car has been cleaner than usual since I uh, moved from far north Queensland to, to here, and I'm very thankful uh, that I don't need to go to the car wash as often anymore. I guess you uh, don't get a whole lot of rain in north Queensland this time of year? Uh, not this time of year, no. Towards the end of the year, there's lots, but right now there's not very much. You're listening to The Breakfast Joe Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Positively different. Positively different news. Let's let's hear it. Okay, so I uh, plastic. Plastic is, of course, something that has been dredging, uh, pulling down the the uh, pollution for many many years now. And there, anyone who travels to a developing country will know the horror that is created by plastic. Oh, absolutely. Um, however, there is a biochemicals company in the Netherlands that has been hoping to kickstart uh, an investment. Um, that plans to develop a plastic made 100% from plant-based materials. And this is this company, the, this plastic bottle has been endorsed by um, all the big name factories. So Coca-Cola, no, Coca-Cola when I say Coca-Cola, it's not specifically Coke, um, the, the, the dreadful Yeah, yeah, because they, they do like... If you think about all the, and all that kind of all stuff. the various drinks that you, that you know and your favourite type of that drink... So, you know, your lemonade, your favourite version of that is Sprite. That's made by Coca-Cola. Um, you're, um, so they're a big name in the... The, the, the cheapest bottled water you can buy. Which one is it called again? I can't remember, but that one's made by Coca-Cola. They, yeah. make, they make water. They're a big... Yeah. They're Who would have thought? They make water. No, a, they don't actually make water. God makes water, but they model it. One of the biggest names in beverages. Yes. Um, so they've been supported. They've, they've had the support of countless name, big brand names such as that. Um, but yeah, so this... this it's 100% plastic. Uh, sorry, 100% plant-based, not plastic. And they plan to have this on our shelves by 2023. Now, this is one of the quickest turnarounds I have, or predicted turnarounds I have seen for this in quite a while. 
Yeah, that's an ambitious project. And the question that goes through my mind is how long does this last? Because the great thing about plastic, if you want to call it a great thing, is it lasts like forever. Exactly. And so if this one is designed to break down, how long will your bottled water sit on the shelf before suddenly your bottled water is leaking out the bottom of your fridge? It, it, uh, the, the Which wouldn't be so bad because you can mop it up, but yeah. if it is your bottled uh, Coca-Cola, then that's going to be a sticky, corrosive mess. Indeed. The uh, page that I found says that it, uh, it takes one year to break down. So... That's probably what the, the life would be of, on the shelf. Okay, so they're definitely going to have a, a very strict use-by on those products. Yeah, and so it might mean that you know it's a little bit more expensive than other bottles, but it does mean that you're, you're having a better, leaving a, a better oh, footprint be on the environment. infinitely, infinitely better for the environment. I mean, you go to a developing country, I was in Ethiopia uh, recently, um, you know, Solomon Islands, Peru, places like that, and these countries are just... Literally a wash I didn't, with plastic bags and plastic plastic bottles. I didn't find the statistics for all the other countries, but in America, uh, each year they throw away thirty five billion plastic bottles, and they only they only recycle approximately twenty five percent of of what they use. So it's not a bad effort, really. 25%. No, they do all right. Impressive. Um, but it still means that a lot. That is massive. It is just enormous, an enormous amount of, of um, plastic going into the yeah. field. And, you know, you go, to, you go to some of the most beautiful sites in the world, like in Egypt or somewhere like that, and the Nile River is just awash with plastic. Yeah. And you currently... Go to, you know, go to uh, uh, Machu Picchu and the river, uh, what's it called again at the bottom? I've forgotten. Is just awash. Yeah. With, it's, it's just a floating plastic... You know, it's just so much of this stuff. And currently, plastic's designed to last a thousand years. So that's not going to be going away anytime soon. No. Um, but yeah, so plastic is on the way out and plant-based plastic is on the way in. Uh, that's a positive thing. I Indeed. like it. Uh, moving on, though, uh, a bit more local news. There is an art, uh, an artist, a, like a painting artist from Benella. So hello to all our listeners in Benella this morning, uh, down in Victoria. He has... Uh, the thing that he's managed to use his time for throughout the isolation period is paint, and he's decided to paint six um, silos, six big silos. Okay, that's that's not a small canvas. No, not at all. He has spent <laughs> he spent fifty days painting these these silos down in Benella. Uh, sorry, not in Benella, but uh, near Benella. In I forgot what the town's called. Um, that, that's going to that's going to be quite the cherry picker that you're going to use to paint something like. Oh that. yeah, he's it's I've I've seen pictures of it and the you know the cher- he's got like an industrial. Are these, are these six are these six silos that are joined together in a bank or are they six individually standing silos? They're individually standing silos all in the same spot. Okay. So, you know, it's it's he's told a story with it. He's told a story of history of the area from 1800 to 1980. That's very, very... Why did you stop at 1984? That was a long, long time ago. It was, um, but... Uh, maybe maybe he's planning for another silo to be built. Possibly another, another set. But, you know, there's trains on there. There's uh, train stations. There is the first uh, fire, fire engine that they had for the area. So it's a really, really cool little interesting thing. And I thought that, you know, he's, he's spent a, a little bit of time doing this. And, um, and yeah. That's amazing. That's, a, that's um, a very, very creative use of time. I would oh, love to see that. And it's kind of like you wonder how do you, does a person, you know, even maintain perspective on a canvas that is up against their face because they're painting it when the image is that big. I know. It's oh, it, it, like 
even I have struggled enough painting something that's you know on an A4 sheet of paper. You'd be painting with a brush that was like three hundred millimeters across. He's, yeah. Anyway, he's a he's an incredible artist, and I'm wearing a hat, so I'm going to take it off slightly to him. Um, so yeah, he's, he's done a very good job. So again, hello to our, our listeners in Victoria and Benella. If you if you know this guy, uh, I'll see if I can find his name. His name is Tim Botel. So if you know Tim in Benella, pop over there and have a look. Go and, say uh, hi. Say hello to Tim. Indeed. Check out the uh, check out the silos. Indeed. And quickly in in other news, this is a little bit of a personal story. Our dog got a haircut over the weekend, and it looks like a completely different dog. And she looks adorable, and she looks very, very cute. And uh, she just, it, just emphasising our, our strong passion for dogs as opposed to the, the felines. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Lima's gradually been getting on board as we've been working our way through. I, I have indeed. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. We have Etienne McClintock, McClintock joining us on the phone this morning from Voice of the Martyrs. Etienne, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle. Good morning, Liam, and good morning, dear listener. Nice to be with you again. Good morning. Etienne, I had a bit of a question that I was thinking about this morning that I wanted to run past you. Uh, Voice of the Martyrs is an organisation that helps people who are suffering, uh, Christians who are suffering persecution around the world. Now, that obviously has a crossover with religious liberty itself, and I guess my question is, when you're dealing with religious liberty in Voice of the Martyrs, does your work cross over to other religions uh, or, or does it just focus on Christianity? No, we actually just focus on, on Christianity uh, per se. I mean, if there are instances sometimes when people are right at in our face and we need to help them, of course, we will provide some level of support. But our projects, everything that we do is focused on Christians. Uh, Christians are the most persecuted uh, people in the world. As it is, the need of persecuted Christians are far greater than the resources we have. So we don't really have the luxury with any spare cash that we have to go and help other people. And uh, we are here to actually promote frontline ministry uh, to spread the gospel around the world as well. So the message of Jesus Christ in, in very difficult and hostile environments and territories. So it's, it's to support that witness for Christ. That is our main aim. And then, of course, to provide support for those who are being marginalized, persecuted, um, you know, in prison, need medical support, who need sometimes uh, judicial help, you know, with, uh, with legal uh, things. But that's the work that we do. So in the media at the moment, the primary uh, group of people facing religious persecution, and this, these are the ones that are being reported on, of course, and are coming through, you know, our news our news uh, sources and so forth on a regular basis, uh, basis are the uh, the Uyghur Muslims in China and the Rohingya Muslims in uh, whereas in Burma, uh, Myanmar. Now, yes. why is it if Christians are the most persecuted group that we hear nothing about Christian persecution, but these two people groups we do hear a lot about? Yeah, look, that's that's a good question. I uh, I sometimes question some of the uh, news articles that are presented. Uh, I think the ones that are uh, of greater interest or maybe a little bit more sensational, quite often we get the headlines. Um, look, around the world, Christians are being persecuted just as badly. In China, there's a lot of persecution as well, but it never makes the headlines, which is always an unusual thing. Uh, and it seems like when people have a witness for Christ, a witness for the truth, quite often there is a mindset to want to shut that down. 
Um, and persecution, as I mentioned previously on the program, is simply the desire of the persecutor to shut down the witness for Christ. Now, uh, we shouldn't be surprised that secular news media outlets also have a similar view where they do not want to make prominent uh, the, the message that Christians want to bring of Jesus Christ. So from that perspective, it makes sense. Um, but uh, look, in China itself, there are many Christians who are also in, uh, in camps where they uh, to have their, uh, their brainwashed, <laughs> so to speak, by the Chinese, you know, just like some of the Muslims are in some of these camps as well. Um, but you don't really hear about that. I think I think one of the I mean just I'm just sort of you know working it through in my mind at the moment but one of the things that I see Etienne taking place is that Christians as a group are far more willing to engage with a secular um, audience and in, and to engage with you know discussions with people coming from a secular background um, you know even from an apologetic standpoint then you know a lot of the other religions that exist in the world is like well this is our religion and we're happy to do it and you either believe it or you don't believe it whereas Christians do tend to be very evangelistic and do tend to engage in a, at an apologetic level and therefore are more of a threat to the secular mindset because of the arguments that they articulate would you see that kind Absolutely. of thing happening as well? Absolutely, yes. If you are evangelically focused and you want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, uh, you will suffer persecution. Uh, we see that time and time again. Even at times into Christian persecution where another group may not be uh, evangelically minded, they don't necessarily share the gospel. And uh, I mean, I've got some stories that I could share with you perhaps if we have a little bit of time in a few moments. But we have found that even in places where there's been like a strong Orthodox presence. Now, of course, there's beautiful Christians in every denomination, including the Orthodox Church. But in the Middle East, for example, where people have come and they've shared the gospel and the nominal Christians have been converted to them and they may have come even from an Orthodox background, there's been opposition even by the Orthodox Church because they typically don't have the evangelical focus that some of the other church groups have. So the whole challenge for us basically is... Um, we want people to be a witness for Christ. That's what Christ has called us to do. That's what the Gospel Commission has called us to do. And at the same time, uh, we find that, of course, when you do that, you make yourself a target. Um, it's, really, it's really as simple as that. Um, Etienne, I did uh, catch you off guard with these uh, first two questions. Um, what was it that you were actually planning to share with us today? I know you had some materials uh, prepared to share with us today about uh, Voice of the yeah, Martyrs yeah, and the yeah. latest upset, update. No, look, no problem. I appreciate the, the questions, and they, they're good questions, and some of them are challenging questions uh, because you've got to dig deep and then just get to the surface of why people are being persecuted. It's always for uh, their witness for Christ, and even if they convert, say, from uh, Islam to Christianity, uh, that, of course, is a witness in itself because why would you leave a true religion, according to them, and, and take on the religion of an infidel? And, of course, there's a lot of propaganda behind uh, what Christianity is like. For example, Islam are told that Christianity is an inferior religion. It is the religion of immorality. And uh, they will look at uh, Muslim countries and they'll look at Christian countries. So Christian countries for them, for example, would be the USA. And if you look at the USA, everything that the USA pops out is considered uh, to come from a Christian country. So you've got, uh, you know, Hollywood and you've got the music scene, and you've got the pornography, and you've got all these other things, and you've got violence. And um, so then they say, look, there's the evidence. That's what a Christian country looks like. But of course, uh, the people perpetrating those aren't Christian. Uh, they uh, they are um, 
secular-minded people or they have maybe some other type of belief. So, uh, and also then the other thing is also they look at history and say that uh, Christianity is the religion of slave traders. And of course, if you go back in history, you'll find that you know people from the West were involved in slave trade. And, uh, you know, even the song Amazing Grace was written by a previous slave trader that was converted to Christianity. So they use their propaganda. However, um, the Lord breaks through all this uh, stuff that they taught at an early age. And quite often they find out that the, the opposite is actually the case. Now, at the moment, we are getting a lot of stories out of Pakistan. I don't know why it is that Pakistan, if you go onto our website, um, which is uh, vom.com.au, or if you download our app, just from the App Store or the Play Store. Um, it's just type in 3AB in Australia. Uh, sorry, not uh, the, sorry, that's a previous organization. Of <laughs> just type it's in, one of our sister organizations here. We're happy for you to give uh, 3AB a shout out. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, so it's uh, Voice of the Martyrs Australia. If you type that in, you'll actually get the app. You can get the 3ABN app there as well if you want to, but the Voice of the Martyrs Australia app. And, you, can the, um, you can get the Faith you, FM app. <laughs> <laughs> and you can get the Faith FM app. That's right, yeah. It's great to have these apps, especially with lockdown. It is to have access to, uh, to, uh, to news and media. And I often listen to Faith FM while I'm driving the car just using the app because, of course, you don't cover all the, uh, all the roads. So it's a, it's a wonderful app. But anyway, getting back to the story, you'll see a lot of stories there on Pakistan at the moment. And, um, you know, in Pakistan, things are tough for Christians. Uh, they are basically considered second-class citizens. Uh, there's a lot of abduction, sexual assaults, forced conversions, forced marriage that continues. And there's significant abuse faced by Christians in Pakistan. Now, I'm going to tell you a story that's been uh, running since January. So on January 27, there's a lady, a young lady, 16 years old. Her name is Maria. She is abducted from a relative's house in Punjab. Now, I'm not sure if I shared the story about a month ago because I'm going to give you the update of it. But just for those who didn't hear the story, the background basically is that a group of Muslim men came and they abducted her. And for several weeks, uh, Maria was actually badly treated. She was raped multiple times in captivity. She was forced to convert to Islam and then married off to one of her captors. Now, according to Maria, she was severely beaten by four men after she initially refused to convert to Islam. And uh, then when her family uh, came to know that she was missing, they immediately filed a report with the local police. Now, this happened within a day or so. Um, but it took several weeks for the police, uh, through their efforts, to actually find Maria. But this was only the beginning. Unfortunately, when you find them and someone's been married off, the, 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 the husband now has authority over the wife. It's no longer the family, you see. Mm. So it gets very, co gets very complicated. So um, you now they started the legal battle where uh, Maria's family were actually uh, waging a war against the captors, so to speak, to get her released. And then there was also another several weeks before Maria was actually allowed to return home to her family. So the legal battle, although she was taken at the end of January, only started in March. And Maria stated then for the records that she was uh, not a free convert of Islam. She was forced, and she was also uh, forced to get married to one of her captors. But uh, this report uh, instead uh, wasn't listened to, uh, and she told them about the threats and everything that happened. And a month later, she appeared in court. And she repeated the same statement. And after hearing this, the court allowed Maria to return home to her parents. So imagine, you know, you think you're just about going to be released, you know, when you make your statement to the police, but it doesn't work that way in those countries. And so they re allowed her to return home. Um, and, but fearing the, th the threats and repeated abduction, Maria's family moved 
to a new neighborhood, and they've remained there in hiding ever since. But, I mean, abductions and assault on women and girls from Pakistan's religious minorities uh, happens all the time. Unfortunately, it's not only Christian, uh, but also those of a Hindu background. And there's an organization they call the Movement for Solidarity and Peace in Pakistan. Their estimate is that close to a 1,000 women, so young ladies, girls uh, from either Christian or Hindu minorities, are assaulted, kidnapped, and forcefully married to their captors. And this is on an annual basis. So the issue of religion is often injected into the cases of sexual assault um, to place minority victims at a disadvantage. Because if you are not a, a Muslim, uh, you are considered a second-class citizen, and quite often the prejudice of people and the animosity and hatred toward Christianity uh, actually has played upon, and then there's no justice, basically. But uh, you know, following successful recovery from these victims and their families, uh, quite often they report a continued suffering. You know, perpetrators are often not even prosecuted for their crimes, and they openly will arrest the victims and the families and just imagine that, you know, the person that's done you harm is able to run free. And whenever they see you, uh, they'll arrest you and threaten you. I mean, you wouldn't feel safe. So in Maria's case, you know, this harassment um, on the family has caused them to go into hiding. And they will remain in hiding pretty much until either Maria's captors will lose interest or give up looking for her. But uh, that could take quite a while. And, of course, uh, they may lose interest. And when they see her again, the interest will be rekindled. So that's just one story that sort of um, is indicative of what happens a lot in, in Pakistan, unfortunately. We, we just have no idea what a privilege we have to live in a country like Australia. That's true. It, uh, you know, to be because we just don't have to worry. You know, if, if something like this was to happen in Australia, we know that, you know, at the very least, we would be able to find a level of justice for what had taken place and a level of protection. Uh, one of the things you, what yeah. I found interesting is you mentioned all of these women that are suffering persecution. Is it primarily against the women that uh, persecution takes place, or is there persecution against men as well that is happening? Look, there's persecution against men as well, but uh, women are targeted more because, uh, you know, through uh, forced conversion and marriage, of course, they can contract control of the person. And if you see a, uh, you know, you're a single guy and you see an attractive Christian girl, <clears throat> you know that you can actually take advantage of that just simply because of the environment and because of the prejudice against Christians. And uh, quite often, if uh, Christian girls do not uh, want to accept the advances of a, of a Muslim young man, uh, quite often they will get angry and upset about it, and these steps can be taken by some of them. Of course, we're not saying that every uh, Muslim person is a, is a bad person that wants to do that, but we are actually talking about uh, genuine cases and genuine facts of some Muslim men who have actually, actually done this. With I can tell Yep, go ahead. Sorry, I can tell you another story, for example, that happened to a pastor in Pakistan just recently. Um, so, uh, uh, Safaraz Raja is actually an associate pastor in the Punjab province there at Memorial Church. And uh, he was working on uh, on his sermon. It was actually just uh, Good Friday. And then his brother rang him and said that the police had entered his family house and were arresting his, his father, his mother, his family. So, uh, he was accompanied by the head of the village. And he rushed to the scene. He found six police people in the courtyard of his home there. Um, and he asked them what they were doing there, inquiring why they had uh, done this intrusion, which was illegal. They actually uh, forced him into the police vehicle. They transferred him to the station along with uh, his uncle. Now, at the police station, what they did is they actually 
photographed him with distillation equipment. Now, distillation equipment is what you make alcohol out of, right? Mm-hmm. This was in one of their storerooms. They were photographed, and then they fabricated this evidence and said the past and his uncle uh, were actually illegally producing and selling alcohol. Uh, then the men were released on bail the next day. Now, uh, Pastor uh, Safaris believes that the charges stem from complaints he had made earlier about police long-free protecting criminals in the community. And when we're talking about criminals, we're talking about people who have harassed Christians, um, have done terrible things to Christians, but then they get away with it, and he's been asking for the police to do something about it. Um, but he says that he and other villagers, including the village headman, uh, will actually vouch for him regarding these matters, but uh, the police normally, well, often turn a blind eye to this. And so the police denied the allegations, but they got a sub-inspector who was willing to uh, to actually look at this, but uh, what he was willing to do was actually make a deal with them to say that if they dropped the complaints against the police, uh, they potentially could drop the charges about him uh, selling and making illegal alcohol. So uh, a Challenging inquiry... Challenging times indeed. So a government inquiry has actually been ordered by the Provincial Minister of Human Rights to evaluate the actions of the local police there. But the cases of corruption in the country's villages are are not uncommon. It happens quite often. Hmm. And Pakistani Christians are frequently targeted um, by local authorities and... uh, must uh, contend with false allegations uh, quite often. Eddie McClintock, thank you so much for joining us this morning from Voice of the Martyrs. Unfortunately, we are, we are out of time, but we do look forward to uh, catching up with you again next month. And don't forget to, forget to jump online, check out Voice of the Martyrs, download their app. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM, positively different. Question okay, of the question of the day. Question of the, question of the day for today is... One that Liam came up with. One that I came up with. Are there beings, aside from bacteria, outside of Earth? Are there beings outside of Earth? Yes. yes Intelligent, created beings outside of the Earth. The answer is yes. Oh, really? Yes. There we go. Okay, so a couple of verses on that very quickly. The Bible says, Then God would use the church to show the powers and authorities in the spiritual world that he has many different kinds of wisdom. So there are, the Bible says, to begin with, there are powers and authorities, beings in the spirit world that are outside of this world. So that's not this world, that's the spirit world. Then again, in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 12, the Bible says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. Now, when the Bible uses the term heavenly places, it's not talking about heaven. It's talking about the heavens. This is plural, and this is, and so it's, and so you have heaven, which is where God lives, and then you have the heavens, where these other beings live. Uh, then you have this verse from First Corinthians chapter four and verse nine. For I think that God has set forth us, the apostles, last as it were appointed to death. For we are made a spectacle unto the world. Let's stop there before we read any further. When the Bible says that we're made a spectacle to the world. Who is the world? The people of the world. That's right. The planet's not going to be looking at us. The people are going to be looking at us. Okay, so the people of the world and to angels. That's now outside of our world, right? And to men. Now that's interesting because you've got an escalation in this verse. It begins with the people of the world. Then it goes to angels and then it goes to men. Now you're never going to say, you know, the people of the world to angels and to the people of the world. That makes no sense at all. 
And so you're going up in the ranks here with an indication of uh, men outside of this planet. Now, there was a day, the Bible says in Job chapter 1, verse 6 and 7, when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And Satan said, and the Lord said to Satan, From where did you come? And Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro in the earth and from walking up and down in it. This conference here is not taking place on earth because Satan says he has come from earth, and the Bible says it is a gathering of the sons of God, the created. You know, beings of God. And so who are those people? Obviously inhabitants of other planets that have gathered together there. The Bible says in Revelation 12, verse 7 through 12, War broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, and they did not prevail, nor was there a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the dragon was thrown out, the the serpent of old called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, And his angels were cast out with him. Therefore rejoice, O heavens. That's plural. That's not talking about heaven where God lives. That's the cosmos. The Bible says there rejoice, O cosmos, and you who live in it. Would you catch that phrase? The Bible speaks to those who live in the cosmos. Uh, Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you having great wrath, because he knows that he has a short time. So the Bible indicates that the universe is heavily populated. And of course, the Bible says, God, who at sundry times in various ways spoke in time past by his servants to the prophets, by Jesus, who created the worlds. That's the planets, not the stars. 